When I put somebody in restraints, I literally have them try to get out of it. I say, try to get out. And if I can see there's a little bit too much movement, I'll tighten it up so that they can't move that much more anymore. And then that's when you see, oh, this is where I have to trust. Hey, everybody. I'm Tony Mana, And I'm Kiara Motley. And you're listening to A Good Pain. Good Pain. Kiara, today, we have a little bit of a connoisseur on the show. A connoisseur of what, Tony? Of many things. Mm. Not only a connoisseur of uh, domination. Yes. But also a, a wine connoisseur. A food connoisseur. Yes. A person, this person knows more about champagne than any other person I've ever met in my entire life. Also jiu-jitsu. And, and, and jiu-jitsu. She also knows the jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So we were, it's safe to say, intimidated by her knowledge and prowess. Yeah. Do you think a lot of sommeliers know martial arts? (laughs) No. Although, if you have to saber champagne, you are one step closer to like a hi-ya. So maybe. I'll take your word for that. They do have sabers. They do have sabers. They do. It just, it makes sense. Uh, on that note, yeah, on that note, <laughs> yes, yeah. So we have we have Mistress Margot uh, with us on the show today. We had a great conversation with her, and we do we talk all things Dom, all things BDSM, and we do talk a little food and wine. Yeah. So the next time you're in New York, you have some really really good recommendations on where to go. Yeah, and make sure to ask her where Carpet Man is. Where is Carpet Man? Without further ado, Mistress Margot. Hey, Mistress Margot. Hello. Yes, hello. And first, I have to get something out of the way. Yeah, please. It's Margot, not M-A-R-G-O-T. Mm. It's M-A-R-G-A-U-X, and there's a very particular reason for that. Yes, I please, understand. Please elaborate yes. for Tony, who I don't think. Margot, as in one of the top producers of Bordeaux and the Left Bank. I actually much prefer Chateau Aubryon, but Mistress Aubryon doesn't quite have the same ring to it. So, <laughs> Touche. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. So Margot it is. Exactly. Yeah, you're quite, I mean, you you are quite the uh, the connoisseur of wine and champagne and the like. Champagne is probably my favorite region. I mm. drank a bottle of champagne a day during the pandemic. Oh. And I, I, I mean, she has amazing taste in champagne. <laughs> when we were first connecting, that was like one of the first things. She saw a champagne on my Instagram and, I, and she was like, oh, I know that. And I was like, oh. Great. That's the legitimate one and yeah. not Vulver Moet, which mm-hmm. is terrible. Everybody who says that they hate champagne, they're drinking champagne with nine to 12 grams of added sugar. Exactly. Of, which is called dosage, right? And I tend uh-huh. to drink extra brut or brut nature. Brut nature has a maximum of three grams of sugar per liter added at the end, and extra brut has up to six. So preach it. And you. also, do you agree with me when you drink good champagne, you don't get hangovers or at least it's way harder to, you know what I mean? People are like, oh, champagne gives me so much hangover. And I was like, no, it's, it's true. It's the sugar content. And it's because mm-hmm. champagne is so far North in France that it doesn't get that warm. Although global warming has been changing that. And so yeah. if you think about, um, drinking lemon juice, right. And if you add sugar to it, it turns into lemonade, which is more pleasant to drink. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing at the end of the champagne making process. The grapes are highly acidic and they're adding the dosage or the sugar at the end to round out the flavors. And there you go. Oh yeah. This, I, so, I'm, yeah, I'm learning already. I know, not, yeah, I know nothing about I, my sh- I like, you know, I basically drink flat Canada dry. That's my champagne. I wanted you to school Tony on food and wine <laughs> I because I adore it and I need him to, I need him to get to my level. You have to appreciate <laughs> the finer things in life. You know, oh I gosh. do. Well, yeah. And well, you do. And also too, while we're talking about it, um, 
you're, you, you're, uh, I looked at your Instagram, which, you know, will not be revealed, will not be released here, but it's full of <laughs> absolutely fantastically delicious photos of 100%. It's my favorite world. thing to look at. <laughs> yeah, you, you what, what what was it that you, you This is it. This is oh, no the, longer by the way, this is no longer a BDSM yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. yeah, this we, is called good food. We take it a hostage <laughs> and yeah. it's just about food and wine. Uh, yeah, weirdly I'm hornier now than I have been <laughs> the others, but uh your your close relationship between food and sex, okay? Indeed. Cool. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, I I call those days Wednesdays. Your that picture of Beef Wellington that you had was <gasps> he absolutely He got so excited. Did you make that? I made that. that. Yeah, that was a pandemic project. Well, and I was trying to explain to our, to our team that like, just casually, I'll look at your stories and you'll be like having caviar or like a really cool mezcal flight or rum flight or, ab, you know, absinthe flight. And I'm like, this woman knows how to live. Yes. Live life to the fullest. That's really it. That's my motto for this year. I want to experience the full breadth of what it means to be alive and be human. A friend of mine had um, a line from a poem that he shared with me. Uh, recently, and it was, um, would you push your peaks into your valleys if it meant that you never had to climb again? Oh, would you push your peaks? Mm. That's profound. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pause anyway. the food talk, although we are coming back to it. Um, <laughs> I think one of the coolest things when I first spoke to you was just really the open-ended question of how on earth did you get into the BDSM community? Because you aren't a professional dom, although you are in the world, but you have sort of yes, an unusual story. Yes. So I am professionally trained, but not a professional. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that happened started with a soul cycle class. And uh, a friend of mine um, was a diehard Soul Cycle fan. Goes mm -hmm. to was going to um, Aachen's class, Aachen of Aachen's Army, um, mm -hmm. cult following. Uh, people love him, and mm. uh, this class is impossible to get into. So he got uh, a friend of mine and I and me into this class, and we do the class, and we hate it. We're <laughs> like, this is so positive. It's like, whatever you can do in here, you can accomplish out yeah. there. I'll, I'll, love, I'll love each other. I'll hold each other in the we space. Just thought yes. it was, we just thought it was fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of that is because we, she and I grew up with a lot of negative reinforcement as our primary drivers. Um, you know, I was beat as a kid. Maybe that has mm. something to do with it. But, uh, you know, it was more around... I just want somebody to tell me I'm fat and take a whip and hit me to get out of my saddle and pedal faster. And, <laughs> you know, we had heard, right, you know, the going rate for a top dominatrix experience you know, upwards of $500 an hour easily. Right. And, and, uh, you know, okay. Soul cycle charges 45 bucks an hour. People would definitely pay a hundred bucks an hour for bitch cycle. Right. In New York, <laughs> the they BDSM would. In New York, version they really would. Yeah. For, for the BDSM version of, of, of SoulCycle. So um, <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I like to pursue different ideas. It always starts with some research. So basically, step one, what is BDSM all about? And how mm. do we, um, you know, really learn the craft and be serious about it? And so, just, to, just to clarify, at this point in your life, you had not explored it? No, nothing. Or, okay. Nothing. Not at all. I was pretty vanilla. Okay. Very straight edge. Yeah. Had no idea other than, you know, okay, some people get 
beat up and like it. Yeah. That was my entry point, basically. Um, so I find a class online that uh, is geared towards a very intimate group, maximum of five women. It's taught by a woman named Simone Justice, uh, who was the first woman to get the first dominatrix to get inducted into the BDSM Hall of Fame. That's I didn't so. know that there was such a thing. Didn't know um, But uh, what really intrigued me about her and why I wanted to take um, a class with her in particular uh, and a workshop with her in particular, not just a class, but uh, it, it was that she had been a practicing therapist for 10 years, um, has a master's in psychology. And so I really wanted to understand the psychology of um, a submissive, the psychology behind BDSM and, yeah. you know, what, what draws people to this experience as a way of, okay, well, how do we unlock that emotional experience and make sure that our experience is really authentic when people, you know, walk into the door for what they think is just a workout, but it needs to be much more than that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up in a class with five volunteer submissives learning how to tie up balls. Yes. And you said the first thing is to tie up the balls, right? Is that the first step? That's like 101 so, stuff. That's what you first learn. Or? So, um, no, I mean the, the way that the class is structured, um, is the first night we pretty much sit and we learn about the psychology of a submissive. And that's about a three hour conversation. And we talk about, um, you know, what every submissive breaks down into. And then we get into some practical things on uh, Saturday with uh, the demo bottoms who volunteer to come to this class and who are doing their part by educating new doms in the community. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on Sunday was when I finally learned what this term meant. So the rituals behind a dom sub relationship are very key for getting somebody into the submissive mindset. Mm -hmm. And uh, it starts with tie, collar, spark. Okay, tie, so I'll work backwards spark. from there. Yes, tie, nice. collar, spark. So a spark is basically you tease what this person really wants. Um, and before every play session, uh, I will have a 20-minute conversation with that submissive and we'll talk about what are your kinks, what are your fetishes um, for anybody Which are who different, doesn't know right? the difference between those things? A kink is something that's done to you. So uh, like spanking, uh, flogging, um, bondage, right? Those are something, mm -hmm. things that are done to you. A fetish is a fixation on a physical body part or object or material, right? So uh, latex fetish, leather fetish, right. foot mm -hmm. fetish, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, we talk about what are your kinks, what are your fetishes, what's your level of play, um, you know, light, medium or heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, how many years have you been doing this? You know, what do you hope will happen during this play session when we spend time together? What right? are your hopes and dreams? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we all have way better sex if we had yes. this talk before <laughs> yes. every sexual encounter? Yeah. What do you hope will happen? You know, what do you need? Yes. Uh, these are just such important questions that were so bad us heteronormative people having, you know, normal vanilla sex tend to be not very good at communicating or finding words for. Totally. Uh, yeah, exactly. And... It's, yeah, do you like bread? Let's make out. And then it happens. <laughs> yeah. Let's Netflix and chill. Yeah. Yeah. That does work, by the way. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> there's a reason it works. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, a reason it's a term. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, so, so it, 
So spark is sort of the thing that you say, okay, well, you know, if you're good and you do everything that I say, maybe we'll do some bondage at the end. Maybe I'll let you suck on my toes. Maybe I'll let you, whatever it is. Um, the collar part is, you know, very clear. You have a collar um, and you basically say, hey, as long as this collar is on you, you are going to do anything and everything that I say. Mm-hmm. Yes, mistress. Okay. Yes, yeah. mistress. So, and, and then the tie is how it starts. And so I didn't know what this term meant until the last day of the workshop, right? And the tie is essentially, you take like a long piece of quarter inch thread that you can buy at Home Depot. Uh, and you kind of slip knot it around the ball sack. You hold the ball sack and you gather it with your hand um, and you grab uh, and touch and you grab it with in between your index and thumb, right? So mm-hmm. the, the balls are resting in the palm of your hand and then you've got the balls by the base of the penis, right? Yeah. And you're holding it. Okay, you slip knot around it. Then you take the, the long part of the string after you slip knotted it and you twist it in like a braid around the bottom Whoa. of the ball sack up. So now you've separated the balls into two sides and then you tie it at the very bottom. Holy okay. shit. Oh, so it's just a, it's it just a basic sin- sailor knot. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it gives the sensation that literally as a dom, I have you by the balls. Literally. Yeah, literally, right? yeah. That's, that's how it's, you know, that, that's, that's how it starts. It's not quite how it starts, right? It kind of starts with present yourself to me as a slave, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, yeah, Slaves don't have clothing, so <laughs> take so take I, your I, I almost asked another yeah. dom if there was an art to tying balls, and it kind of seems like there is an art and a and oh, a, yes. a purpose other than it feels good. It's I, or I have you by the balls, literally. It's a constant. Yes, reminder. it's psychological. Yeah, it's psychological. Yeah, uh, completely. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it. It it's something that is important for the experience. Um, mm-hmm. I typically insist on doing it uh, if I'm playing with somebody. And uh, it's also something where there's a technique to tying it so that, you know, the sub can't get out of it. You keep the knot kind of at the bottom, out of reach. Uh, and yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole art to this. And there's multiple ways of doing it. There's a quick way of doing it. I was very advanced at this, so I learned the advanced way of doing this. Um, <laughs> of yeah, course, nothing but the best. And <laughs> yeah, somehow uh, you strike me as someone who's advanced at most things. <laughs> I have a passion for learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's always a very, very good student, um, uh, and that translated into DOM class as well. So the but but yeah, that that was again how I found myself. Uh, you know, in a Training. class that I had booked online, tying up balls. <laughs> and you had told me that the women in this class, it was, they were from all walks of life. Like it was a really fascinating yeah, group of women. Um, a, an amazing group of women. So you had um, one woman who was a pro dom and worked as a pro dom who was uh, really, you know, looking to enhance her skill sets. Uh, we had another woman who was an acupuncturist and a healer and wanted to um, come at it from the perspective of healing, right? which is very real. And I can talk about that. And another woman who was a professional escort and one of her clients was interested in BDSM and decided to pay for her to take this class. Uh, and then a fourth woman who's, you know, was this older blonde bombshell of a hot mom who had four kids who were, who all left the nest. 
and her husband was very into BDSM and she didn't want to be the submissive. So she decided I'm going to be uh, the dom. Okay. And uh, just, you know, an incredible group of women who come from such diverse backgrounds. I mean, we could not have looked more different. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's a movie in the making or a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and then you have me who was the, the, you know, the, the entrepreneur in the class. Yeah. And you uh, and you sell yourself short. I mean, I know we're not revealing your identity on this, but like you're, you know, quite an accomplished with a high profile company. And yeah. And you were, you were on the, uh, I, I, we could we can, edit this out if, yeah. if we need to, you were on the 30 under 30. We're just trying to say you're a badass. Yeah. 30 under <laughs> yes. 30 and four. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, there's 900 people on that list every year, by the way. So this is not revealing that much. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we started talking about what goes on the first night, which I think was the most fascinating for me, Mm. which was understanding the psychology of a submissive and it breaking down and every submissive breaking down into mind, body, heart, and soul. Um, and mind is really kind of the classic interpretation that we maybe have in our minds when we first think about BDSM, everybody who's watched Billions, you know, the the high profile yeah. person with the power job who just power suit. needs a release or right. spends so much time telling everyone else what to do. They just want to be told what to do themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And that's very real, right? So the CEO type. Um, and I think that that's very powerful and freeing. I think that that is one of the most powerful motivators of um, why people, why people are drawn to being a submissive, right? Because when you think about it, when I am playing with a submissive, I'm telling that person exactly what I want, exactly what I want them to do, exactly how to please me down to every detail. And if they veer off course of that in any way, I will correct them and I will bring them back. And they know that they can do no wrong for the time that we're together. And so what that does, and and I'm encouraging them and I'm, you know, um, giving them affirmations along the way. People think that BDSM is all about, no, you're doing a terrible job. Right. That's not what I want. And that's not what it is. No, 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 not at all. Um, you know, that, that's not a great dom if all they're doing is the negative part. Um, right. it, people want to feel like they're making their dom happy, right? Mm. So, but what that does is it frees up the submissive to take and enjoy their own pleasure. Right? When you know yeah. that this other person is going to take what they need. And I think this is why we're women are drawn to bad boys and, you know, why, um, you know, we, we like sometimes uh, to be in a situation where um, the other person is a little rough with us and are, yeah. is taking charge because it allows us to seek into our own pleasure because we don't have to worry. Are you having a good time? Right, right, are right. Are you okay? Yes. I know you're okay. You're taking what you you're want. You're doing what Great. you want. Yeah. Right. And, I can, and I can then sink into and enjoy what I want. So I think that's a very powerful motivator. Um, the second one, body, which we talked about kinks, we talked about fetishes. Um, it's typically not the main core reason mm-hmm. of what draws somebody to BDSM. It might be how it presents itself and it might be a surface level thing, but typically one of the other motivators I think is really behind it. Yeah. Uh, heart is probably a big one, right? So being able to express vulnerability, um, mm. giving a man a safe space to express femininity Mm. and to be submissive. Our culture doesn't really allow for that and doesn't really um, have space for men to be in these states. Right. Right. And so, you know, it might be "Mm, mistress, like, I really want to suck a dick. Does that mean I'm gay? Uh, And 
And it would, and it might be, no, that's just one of the most submissive things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And that pleases me. So, so do, do it. it yeah. Me. So you will do it. You know, yeah. you will do it for me. Right. <laughs> uh, and there's just no, there's no judgment, right? It's such a safe space. That's so key, so, right? There's no, ju- there, we live in no. so much judgment about every little thing. And like what's coming up in these first few interviews is the lack of judgment and the fluidity that you can have in terms of just like what you desire in that moment. And that doesn't mean anything about like, you can be feminine in one moment, masculine in one moment. You can absolutely want something one day and want something the opposite the other day. And that's fucking allowed. Yeah. And there's so much room for that, right? A, A large part of the population of people who are in the BDSM community identify as switches. They will do both, right? Sometimes um, you're maybe more in a topping mode. Sometimes you're more in a bottomly mode. I certainly had that. Um, at one point I ended up raising millions of dollars for my company and I just said, okay, the last thing I want to do when I get home is to tell somebody else what to do. Right? Yep. Top drop is real. Top so drop. I, I was out of it for, for quite a while, uh, because of that. So, yeah, 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 a top drop. I, I I heard this expression before. What what is what is that? What is top drop? <sighs> it is tiring to be in charge all the time and to be responsible for somebody else's experience, right? When I play with a submissive, you know, for an hour, I'm literally I I don't think there's another situation where I am as situationally aware or as tuned into another human being's needs. I am watching how that person is breathing. I am talking to them about what I just did to them. I am talking about what I'm doing to them. I'm teasing what I'm about to do to them. I am seeing how they're receiving and reacting. I'm watching to see, can I push them harder? Um, When do I need to wait? How long do I need to wait before they can receive the next hit? Um, Is this something that they seem like they're getting a little bit uh, bored of? Or I can see a moment when they're starting to get used to this pain and I need to switch it up, right? There's a lot that goes into that experience, right? And I think some of it's liberating, right? I think for a lot of women, it's a very empowering experience, especially if you're a woman who maybe doesn't have as strong of a voice or who isn't comfortable expressing your needs. Because what training to be a dom will do is you have to fill that space. You have to fill that time. Mm. The best doms talk and do at the same time. The Mm. doms that are, you know, not as professional or not as well practiced in this will do and then talk and then do and then talk. Talking mm. and doing at the same time takes a lot. And, uh, and you have to fill that space. And so at first, maybe you're just making it up. Maybe you're just saying, do this, do that. Okay. And then at some point you realize, I'm already telling this person what to do. So I may as well tell them what I actually want them to do. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. There's a thing that unlocks there. And I think in that sense, it's such a great practice for women. And that's why um, you know, Simone, the, the, um, the Dom who trained me, uh, will do corporate training classes for people, right. What? About oh. finding your voice, um, completely. So very, very cool. Um, I think that there's definitely applications into the professional world for sure. Um, well, yeah. when you had also said to me that there's also something, I mean, I, the idea of a woman in this position is so interesting and multifaceted, but that also you don't have to feel in danger. Do you know what I mean? We talked about this a little bit, mm-hmm. that, that if someone is tied up, it's sort of one of the only times as a woman that you, you literally- have real power over that person, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Someone can't um, overpower you. Not that they right. might not. They might not. They probably won't, maybe. But 
they can't. They can't. They physically cannot. Right. And it is psychology that is so different, right? Because I realized this too, um, you know, in, in recently uh, sleeping with a guy who was a professional MMA fighter. And in a normal situation, right, I know jujitsu. I've done jujitsu two, three times a week with six degree black belt. I know enough to get out of a normal situation with cool. a regular dude, even if he's twice my size. That's fine. Yeah. I suddenly realized with this guy, oh, holy shit, there's no, there's no way out of this situation. If something yeah. bad yeah. happens, there's just no way out. I am dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's strange, right? That, that, that we think yeah. about those things, but we do. Right. But, and, and that is the dynamic in, in sexual relations with most men and women. And then here, what we have is now I have you in bondage. I have you in chains and in heavy duty hardware locks where you are not getting out of it. And when I put somebody in restraints, I literally have them try to get out of it. I say, mm, try to get I out. And if I can see there's a little bit too much movement, I'll tighten it up so that they can't move that much more anymore. And then that's when you see, oh, this is where I have to trust. This is where the surrender comes in. This is where yes, the fear comes in. I was going to say, is in. that this where the magic comes in? The switch? This is yeah. where, yes, this is where you start to get the, the high and the anticipation from the fear oh shit, this bitch, if she wanted to, could literally cut off my balls right now. Mm. She could brand me. She could do whatever. I, I could it's draw scary. blood. I mean, that's where the excitement comes in. That's, yeah, yeah, it's scary, but yeah, it's <laughs> chemical. Oh yeah. yeah. So there needs to be a lot of trust there. I mean, they don't know. I could be a psycho. I'm not, but. Not a psycho. A person who makes a uh, beef wellington like that is not a psycho. I can assure you. <laughs> Your beef wellington is the right. um, do, do you have any favorite um, toys or apparatuses that you, that you use? Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of a traditionalist and that may mm. be due to my training. Uh, mm. High protocol is very sexy. And um, I love a great flogger. I have an mm -hmm. elk hide flogger that's beautiful, very heavy. Elk hide. What oh. is that? So, is that a brand? Elk hide, elk as in the is animal, an elk. The moose elk -like hide. Animal. Elk ah, hide. Okay. Elk hide. Yeah, exactly. And usually a flogger is, is used as a, a warm up tool. So mm -hmm. a flogger, for anybody who doesn't know, it has a, a handle and then there's multiple streams of either soft leather or harder leather, depending on if it's a warm-up flogger or not a warm-up flogger. And you can tell that something is a warm-up flogger because the tips of the flogger will be square and not pointed. So the more pointed it is, the more power you're concentrating into the tips of that flogger oh. and the more uh, sting you're delivering with each hit, right? So a warm-up mm -hmm. flogger, it'll be flat, so less of that. And then also a warm-up flogger will be a softer level, level of, uh, softer grade of leather than a non-warm-up flogger. So I have a warm-up flogger that I use to just get somebody going because you want to warm somebody up so that they yeah. can be in the place to receive harder hits. Uh, and then you can switch over to the, the, the sort of, you know, real flogger. But I love that. And one of my favorite things to do is to play with a combination of the flogger and the paddle so that my sub doesn't know which one they're getting. Oh. oh. And that's probably... Oh, yeah, it reminds me of one of my favorite play experiences that I've had, which I think won't be, doesn't seem that salacious. I mean, I, I could give you the story that's like, oh, I, you know, was at this play party and I was, you know, sitting on my submissive space while he was eating me out. <laughs> and 
I was giving him a hand job. And then, you know, after a while, he asked permission to come. I finally say yes. Huh. After you could tell and story. him for a while. And then, you know, he comes all over my latex skirt and I make him lick and clean off every centimeter of it. Oh, right. Boy. So there's you could that tell story, that story. But, but, yeah. but is this, are we getting story, into pillow talk? You're going to tell a different story for a little pillow talk story time. There's a different story. There's okay. a different story that I, I, that I think I connect so much more with. This was my first time doming a woman. Uh, so I was at a play party and I think a big reason that I enjoy the art of domination, the art of domination is the performative aspect of it. Mm. I love to perform and I love when people watch and there was a group of people that started watching me play with my sub while I was doing my flogger paddle, um, not really a routine, but we call it a scene. So every, every yes. scene, so we're, uh, and after I did that, um, this guy comes up to me and he says, my girlfriend really wants you to do to her what you just did to him, but she's too afraid to ask. And so I was like, okay, who's your girlfriend? Point her out. I was like, all right, come here. She's this tiny, she's maybe four foot 11 and like oh. 80, 90 pounds. She's tiny. Okay. Mm-hmm. Adorable, but tiny. And so I <laughs> start talking to her and I, you know, typical consent talk. Okay. You know, what are your kinks? What are your fetishes? Light, medium, heavy. What do you like? And she tells me, oh, um, I really prefer the paddle to the flogger. And a paddle is, you know, much more concentrated force. If anybody's, you know, seen a fraternity paddle, it's that, but made of leather. Right. right? And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, I am, I would break you in half, girl, little girl. (laughs) Hmm. We're gonna, we're gonna go slow on this one to start. Okay. So I take her and um, I put restraints on her and I cuff her to uh, a cross on the wall. And then, of course, I also ask permission for things like, are you okay if I touch you? Are you okay if I whisper in your ear? Are you okay if I kiss you? Are you okay if I graze your thigh, your inner thigh? Right. So we get very specific to make sure that we're all on the same page and, and consent is enthusiastically given. Right. So I start playing with her with the flogger and we start working our way up. And I start hitting her, you know, we start very slow. It's a gradual crescendo. And this is an arc. You don't just go and immediately whack, whack, whack. It is, I'm going to throw the whip and let the leather gently fall and cascade and waterfall down your back and let the sensation graze over you, right? And we slowly work our way up. And at one point, you know, I I start to hit her, what for me is light to medium hard. Mm -hmm. And I know for her, it's probably a lot, I mean, yeah, you know, we, we, we work out. Yeah. So we work out. I have, I have quite the swing. Yeah. Yeah. And you have strength. Yes. And so I, I whisper in her ear, scale of one to 10, where are you on pain? And she says, eight. <laughs> eight. And it was just the flogger. Okay. And I go, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. There, thought. We okay. there we go. And um, so then I, I start alternating and I start hitting her with the paddle and the flogger. And so what happens is she thinks that she's going to get hot, hit hard um, with the paddle, right? And so she braces. And then all she does is she gets the soft bit of the mm. flogger really lightly. And then, so then she relaxes. And the second she relaxes, whack, I whack ah. her with the paddle, oh, right? Shit. Which she doesn't expect it. And so she's shocked and she's just completely um you, you know like out of her senses and then in between that after her you know her her behind is all all red and speckled 
um, I'll take my fingertips and I'll lightly graze up her thigh, up her buttocks while whispering in her ear. Okay. I think we're ready now. We're going to play a little game. And I basically just have her count and I say, okay, we're going to do 15 perfect hits (gasps) and you're not going to move. And after each time I hit you, you're going to count and you're going to say, one, thank you, mistress. Mm -hmm. Two, thank you, mistress. Okay. Ready? Let's go. So I do that with her. And each time, you know, she's counting. And if, you know, and I'm a perfectionist and I like to mess (laughs) with people, right? So we get to, you know, maybe 12, 13, we're at the end. And I can tell I'm starting to push her a little bit. And she just moves a little too much for my liking. Uh And I go, did you just move? Did you just adjust yourself without asking for permission? And I always tell myself, look, if you're uncomfortable, I don't like to damage my toys. Okay. So if you feel you're (laughs) losing circulation, if you feel like something is not comfortable, because I want to be the only person delivering discomfort to you. Okay. (laughs) On purpose. Um, (laughs) You will speak up and you will ask for permission to adjust. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she didn't. And so I said, "Mm, no, no, I don't like this. It's not perfect. Mm. We're, Uh, we're just going to have to start over. ah! So we start over from one, right? Did she freak Uh, out? Oh, (laughs) there's a moment of pure terror on her face. Like, (laughs) But you know, there, there's encouragement along the way too. It's like, you can do it. You can take a few more hits for me. We're almost there. For me, yeah. for right? me, yeah. It's almost like you're a personal trainer too. Yes. Come on, you got this. Tr- One more, two more. You got it. You got it. You're doing oh, so God, well. tomorrow's <laughs> session is going to feel so strange. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels. Um, so after I play with her and after I take her down from the, the, the cross, I, I don't think I've ever made anybody. So she turns and she looks at me, just pure ecstasy on her face. Her eyes are rolling back in her head and she's like, mm. Gives me this huge hug, and she's like, oh, "Thank you so much." <laughs> oh my god! And Incredible. in that moment, oh, yeah, I I felt fucking great about myself. Yeah, that I was able to do that for her. Yeah, and that was great. And this is what I mean by it's such a giving and loving practice, hmm. which was the complete opposite of what I thought it was before. Oh, yeah, I dove into this to this community. I think I didn't realize how much communication, consent, oh, and thoughtfulness, trust, trust. The, the trust yeah. that has to exist mm-hmm. there. It re- I mean, it's beautiful. It really is. It really is. Yeah. A, and, a thing and of beauty. There's just so much trust and surrender that happens there because the communication is there. And that's when the magic happens. I have, I felt more connected to her than boyfriends that I've had. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Question for you, because obviously you keep, you know, one professional life separate from this other professional Mm -hmm. life or do you ever, how many people do, do you disclose the Dom side of yourself to in your normal day-to-day life? In my normal day-to-day life, I'm very open about it. Okay. There's just a separation professionally for me. Right. Which makes sense. But in my normal day-to-day life, I'm very open. It's, there's nothing to hide. I'm a huge proponent of people trying this and enriching their lives with exploring mm-hmm. and seeing if this is right for them and and really evangelizing this level of consent and this level of, um, you know, affirmation that what you like is what you like. And mm-hmm. there's no judgment. And, you know, we would all 
be so much happier and lead much fuller lives if we felt comfortable expressing this part of ourselves or exploring this part of ourselves. Yeah. Well, and that sort of leads me to ask you, I mean, you sort of answered it in that, but like, what has the shift been for you just in your life now that this is a part of your life? Yeah, I think for me, it's realizing and also finding a voice and asking for what I want during sex in a way that I never felt comfortable in my younger years. Yeah. Right. It was sort of, oh, sex is just this thing that, you know, you kind of have to do to please uh, a man. And this is just sort of like, I I mean, I didn't, I didn't have an orgasm. um, You know, the first, I don't know how many sexual partners I had. Right. It was only until, Mm. you know, um, a boyfriend that I had maybe in my uh, mid twenties or so where I had my first orgasm with somebody. Mm. And a lot of that was just because there was so much shame wrapped up around sex uh, for Mm. me as a woman. And this made it so that I could feel free to sink into my desires, to ask for what I want and not be slut shamed and not be, and not feel like it was not okay. Right. So Mm. in that sense, it's been really, really powerful. And it's something that I'm continuing to explore. And there's just more and more and more to learn and more to get comfortable expressing in ourselves. Yeah. Has, has it impi- uh, impacted, being a dom impacted your, your business life as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Do you, are you a better business person? <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm laughing because She's I'm thinking laughing. about this call. I'm <laughs> laughing because I'm thinking about this call that uh, I was on business-wise and there was a, a, a you know, it was a, a call between two of our partners and, and um, one person in the call who was, you know, like one of the key people on this call who was a man who was quite self-important, who was entirely unprepared for the call. <laughs> and of course. he basically, you know, said, hey, is anybody from this team on? And I had just introduced the entire team and he just completely spaced out and then also asked, oh, you know, did this product get released? And it was sort of like, yeah, I'll send you the press articles. Okay. Mm. Like, did you, or do you live under a rock? And so after that call, it was hilarious because I was talking to my team about it and they were saying, you do not want to get Mistress Margot's, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Are you are you a fucking idiot voice? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> don't get on that. Don't yeah. get that on that side. So I don't feel, you know, I think it's one of these things where I feel very empowered now dealing with a guy who is an asshole to call him out in my, oh yes, we did just do all of that. You fucking idiot. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. So I, I think in that sense, I just I I just don't have any tolerance for bullshit. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And, and I know I own my power. Yes. I love that. It's so much better than the passive aggressive eye roll that I would usually throw at them. That does not often Tony. work, I find. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I had one other thing <clears throat> I really wanted you to share, which was that you got a really rare opportunity in that training to sit down with some of the subs and actually hear from them. And I only know this is rare because I think you told me that, yeah. that, that I wouldn't yes. have known, but that that was like actually a really special opportunity. And sort of what did you get to hear from them since that isn't common? Yes. So, and that's something too, in, in the class, it was really key that, you know, Simone who, who put on the class 
wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity for the doms and subs to sit down and have a conversation as equals for us Mm. to be able to really understand um, and hear from them what the experience was like for them. And so my question was, so what about getting kicked in the balls is, you know, appealing to you? (laughs) Fair. That's a fair question. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And there were there were two different answers to that for one person. And this person was um, admitted that he was very extreme in his masochism. Uh, he showed up with full chastity and chastity is a oh. contraption that his penis was in. He had a dom who had the key to it. And so it is something where he could go to the bathroom, he could pee. But if he were to get hard, it would be very unpleasant and very painful. Okay. Right. That's what this contraption looks like. Yeah. And so he basically said, look, I'm very extreme in my masochism. Getting kicked in the balls is one of the things that I fear most. And mm. the fear and anticipation of potentially getting kicked in the balls physically gets me high. And that is something that happens, right? The, the woman who I took down, you know, from the prospector I played with her, her pupils were, were completely dilated. Right. You physically get high from this. This is like a natural drug. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then there was another uh, submissive who was at 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 this event as well and at at the workshop. And he basically said, look, you know, I don't like getting kicked in the balls. I'm not turned on by that, but I'm turned on by the power dynamic where a woman can kick me in the balls and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. Mm hmm. Well, going so, back to going back to mind, body, heart, and soul, right? Right. Like, what right. are those things that are touching that off in you? Right. Yeah. And I think the one that we didn't quite touch on was about was around soul, right? Which and I, so soul. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So soul, I, I think, is key for a lot of it. Is you know, part of it, it's posturing in front of feminine goddess energy. Um, some of it might be around repenting for your sins. Um, oh, mistress, like I had to fire thirty people today. Please punish me for my sins, mm. right? So there is this much deeper um, connection and aspect to BDSM that, that's so far from just the surface level of, okay, somebody's getting spanked and somebody's getting whipped, right? Yeah, what it's is so that? much more than that. It's, it's very Catholic. It's yeah, just, what is that? It's very Catholic. <laughs> Forgive me for my sins. Why is that so deep in our soul, right? To, to have that violence within repentance and yeah. I don't know. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe how for me, like how I was brought up, like pain is part of repentance. Um, mm. And it's a way in which you remember what you did. Mm. It's a way to sear a lesson in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you you're not doing these uh, sessions one on one mostly. You're you. I think you alluded you, you're at play parties. You're at. at I'm at typically sort of at a play party. party. OK. Um, it's not necessarily a performance venue. It, they're typically okay. events that are open for anyone in the community to attend. And mm-hmm. I will go with a submissive and I get the most joy out of, like I said, having an audience and oh, yeah. putting on a performance, putting on a show and, you know, cracking a whip and having people create space around me as I take up space with my flogger and my oh, whip. Yeah. Right. It, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and so you, you, you will take a submissive with you to the, as to your the date. play party. Yes. Yes. Okay. Typically as a date. Yes. And I've also taken friends, you know, who just want to observe and, you know, these events typically are very welcoming. Um, they'll even say if it's your first time, 
that if you're uncomfortable, you can reach out to them in advance and they'll assign a buggy for you to walk oh, you around. That's, that's what's so going nice. On. It's so nice. It, it mm-hmm. is seriously the most welcoming and amazing community. Um, the event that I go to also has, this is, you know, people in New York probably know this person. There's a, a carpet man. He is rolled up in a carpet at the base of the bar. And there's a, and he has a little cutout for his mouth so he can breathe. And so there's a sign at the bar that says, ladies, please step on the carpet man, <gasps> face included. So What the fuck? Oh. Yeah, I don't know so about this. I, the carpet man so in New York? The carpet man in New York, yes. And apparently I heard that there's two of them and they compete and they get mad at each other when one of them gets to go to an event and the other one doesn't. And there's dibs. I, I have no idea. This is something I've heard. And this is um, their, but no. their, their fetish. This their- is their, well, yeah, this is, this is definitely a kink. And there's probably, you know, a foot fetish involved in there as well, wanting to yeah. get stepped on. Yeah. Uh, there's probably maybe a women's shoe fetish, right? I've put my five inch Louboutin heel down this guy's throat before. <gasps> and when I pulled it out, he was trying, licking. He was trying to hold on and he oh. was he was sticking his tongue out to just continue licking the base of my heel. This is maybe the only, the first thing that's actually shocked me. Like forget Roman showers, fuck that. Like what? <laughs> yeah. You put the heel down his throat. Yeah, I deep throated him with my Louboutin. Ah, okay. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. By the way, I like earlier you said I've never I've never heard of Carpet Man. I, we're not in the community. I know, I like, know, I, but I, I just imagine I'm Carpet, from, Man, Carpet Man is not at the Carl's Juniors and Herald Square. Is my know. guess. I know why. Why we're going out in New York? Have I not run into the Carpet Man? I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I was so yeah, upset about that. I've never heard of Carpet Man before <laughs> in my years in New York. I think um, I, I think most people in the scene have definitely heard of have definitely heard of Carpet Man. Okay, we don't really have a, a food and wine corner, but we're having a food and wine corner with Mistress Margot because we can't possibly not. Top three places if if one was in New York that you for a week that you would want them to dine. Ooh. Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen. I love Four Horsemen. Great yeah. wine bar uh, and amazing food. They have a Michelin star and the chef there, Nick Curtola, just does amazing work and the menu changes all the time. It's very seasonal. Blue Hill Stone Barns. I love. It's not mm-hmm. technically in Manhattan. It's in Terrytown. You can take the train there, but you can visit the farm, walk around and, yep. you know, 27 course tasting menu. Um, it's incredible. And then I'd say, you know, maybe sushi at yeah. Xi'an by 69, Xi'an 69 Leonard. So this is a chef who trained with Takashi Saito in Tokyo. So Sushi Saito is, you know, maybe the most difficult to get into sushi restaurant in the world. They took it off the Michelin list because it's essentially a private restaurant now. <laughs> Everybody who goes there basically makes their reservation for the next time that they go there. So nobody new can get in. Oh my God. And uh, Shion apprenticed with him and was trained by him and is now in New York at 69 Leonard Street doing, you know, incredible work with the sushi and, and sourcing from his hometown and getting fish that nobody else can get their hands on here. Okay. Well, I'm That's going amazing. there because I, yeah. I love Four Horsemen, but I have not been there. So. Well, I got to check it out. Yeah, I lived in New York for years, so I'm. I'm we've written this down somewhere. I got. I'll just go back and watch the well, recording. Well, it's recorded, it's, yeah. so you can have it forever. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, you know, it's funny now because we're back on food again, and then I'm thinking you dom mostly at, in play parties. Have you ever thought about bringing food into your some splashing dom? It's a splash. Yeah, we learned this. We, we, we like to use our vocabulary, <laughs> Mistress Margot. You know, we did have. 
uh, a friend of mine and I did have an idea to do sort of a, a Psalms and Doms party. <gasps> oh, I love a good. God, yeah. that's a good. That's a great name. That's good. Yep. Uh, we have yet to do that, but I, I do think that uh, it could be a good mix. Of course, not not for not for the doms. Typically, when I play with somebody, because I want to be very very aware of what's going yeah. on, what I'm doing, I'll have you know at most um, one drink so that I can be present and I make sure that I'm not potentially injuring somebody or putting somebody at risk. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Between bitch cycle and psalms and doms, I am. Fantastic meeting here. We have yeah, investor. Idea. We would like to be in an investor meeting. Yeah, exactly. Great I'll start a branding agency next. Exactly. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Uh, well, shall we? Uh, shall we go into the dungeon? Yes, let's bit? go into the dungeon. Uh, so, Mistress Margot, uh, we ask all of our guests the same five questions. If you've ever seen the mm-hmm. actor studio, inside the actor studio, it's a little bit like that. These are piercing sure. philosophical questions that. Uh, <laughs> They're really going to shatter your soul when you hear them. Uh, my Lovely. first, my first question is cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. What, what makes you say that? Cats don't give a shit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> cats will eat you if you die. So it is, it is I, I give a shit. You know, I like people yeah. who give a shit. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, God. I'm going to be such a child. Mint chocolate chip. No, that's a. It's a solid flavor. That is a solid flavor. I just love it. I couldn't have candy as a kid and my mom, my mother would never buy me chocolate. And so that was my one source of how to get chocolate, mint yes. chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, ice cream was a loophole for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a chocolate yes. loophole. Yeah. Right. Okay. Heaven with your enemies or hell with your friends? Hell with my friends. Come on. Come yeah. on. Yeah, of course. I, I, I must be the only person on earth who thinks heaven with their enemies. But Well, you're an introvert. And as you said, you just mm-hmm. won't talk to your enemies. I just, yeah, I'll just, I'll just fucking <laughs> sit in my room and have them. Yeah. Whatever. I'll just watch, yeah. I'll just watch uh, Flip or Flop on HGTV while they're on. I don't yeah. know. Do you get 40 virgins in heaven? Oh. It, that's, I'll have to inquire about that. <laughs> okay. You inquire and I'll, I'll be in hell partying my ass off. To you. Yeah. We'll yeah. Figure that out. Okay. What is something that really scared you before you did it, but now you are very glad that you did? Ooh, psychedelics. Mm. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca in particular. Ayahuasca scares the shit out of me. It should. Did you? Okay. It blew up my, I blew up my life in the past six months. I completely blew it up. Because of the ayahuasca? I wouldn't say because of, I said, I would say the ayahuasca basically put a light on all of the parts of my life that I was living incongruously with my values and made it so that I could no longer ignore them. Mm-hmm. And I had to make major moves in my life that were not easy. One of them included breaking off an engagement. Oh, wow. Yeah. But oh. you're glad you did. So it did you, my- but I'm very glad I did it. But of course, anybody who's considering this should definitely be terrified. I okay. cannot tell you how much pain and suffering I experienced during that. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So ayahuasca, yeah, yeah, this is not you're going to do it and you're going to think I need to move the ottoman from there to there. This is major, no, major, I need major to feng decisions. shui my apartment. No. Yeah. No, wow. you're going to feng shui your soul. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's titillating. But yeah, that, that does mm-hmm. scare me a little bit. Well, uh, my last question. <laughs> What's the best compliment you've ever received? I don't know if this is a compliment, but I think it's a statement from a friend of mine um, who I knew in middle school and was my best friend from middle school. And she, I I think I was always a very hardened person up until recently. I didn't realize I had feelings until 
maybe three mm. years ago. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she saw me even then. And she said, you know what? You're like, there's, there's a saying in Chinese um, that translates loosely to mouth of knives, heart of tofu. <gasps> She's like, that's you. Mouth, mouth of knives, heart of tofu. <laughs> I like that. I love it. Uh, well, this has been so nice. It's, it you. was so lovely to meet you, Mistress Margot. You too. Thank you for having me. So there, that was Mistress Margot. Mistress Margot. M-A-R-G-A-U-X. Don't get it twisted. No. Uh, what an interesting person. Yeah. And, and I, I'm always intimidated by people with, with much better taste than I have. Are you intimidated by me, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> No, as I said, people with much better taste. Shut up! I have really good taste. Yes, you do. No, actually, you do. You do have very good taste. Who am I kidding? You do. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm like. But I'm intimidated by her taste as well. So it's it's another level for sure. Yeah, if people who can make a beef Wellington and make it look like make it look like how she made it, like it came out of French Laundry. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I I admire her, and and then the story she told about the guy's girlfriend at the party Mm -hmm. and the way that she felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girlfriend felt after, after she was done with her flogging. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, again, I keep, I keep seeing a lot of moving, beautiful kind of moments in these, in these Dom stories and these sub stories. It's, it's, uh, unexpected. I have to say. It's unexpected. And I just, there's something about her sort of being able to pick and choose all of these different things and be able to be all of them whenever she pleases. That is inspiring. And definitely inti- again, back to the intimidating. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just is food for thought for me. Oh, yeah. It makes me realize that I sort of, maybe I need ayahuasca just to yeah, well, yeah. blow my shit up. But yeah. no, but I just mean like, how much do I do things? Because that's what I do. And that's what I've done. And that's who Kiara is. And how much should I sort of pay less attention to that and sort of oh, switch yeah. it up? I don't know. Not everybody could be on the 30 under 30. No, I'm not. Yeah. Because I know Forbes Nor wrote an article about me that was like, yeah, the don't do business with this guy. I somehow bought a Forbes magazine and lost $10,000 in the process. I, how that happened? I have no idea. That's how bad a business I am. I will say that it's on my bucket list. You heard it here first. By season two of Good Pain to have met Carpet Man. Yes. Where, where is Carpet Man? He's in New York and I'm going to be back and forth a lot. So Where is Carpet Man? I got to find, find him, him and step on his face. I'm going to find him. Now, honestly, you know, I lived in New York for a long time. I, I see about 85 potential carpet men a day. I just, I just don't know. You just, I just don't know if that's the actual carpet. But do, can, do I meet somebody on the street where I'm like, yeah, that's a guy who'd be fucking rolled up on a carpet Tony, and, and be could, stepped on. You could do a whole of TV course show. Are you carpet man? Of course. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I, I've, I see 12 carpet men on the J train every day, but anyways. I will say a thing that I would like to continue to explore and excavate from her conversation was this idea of spirituality of spirituality Mm. and of dom play bdsm always being those four quadrants of the heart body the soul and the brain right i think i mixed something like that yeah Yeah, something like that but but just again especially the soul and and we got it we got to get a priest in here because i want to know no i want to know i'm not a religious person i was not Mm -hmm. brought up religious in any way but people have been playing with pain and transcendence and spirituality for many, many, many thousands of years. Well, so. yeah. I mean, yeah. When she said it herself, forgive me my sins, absolve me. Mm-hmm. That's it. I said, I made a joke, but it is very Catholic. Yeah. 
It's very Catholic. And I'm sure if there's one place a priest would like to be, it's on a podcast called Good Pain. To Rome we go. To Rome we go. <laughs> to visit Sands the showers. <laughs> Sands showers. I want to be very clear about that. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'll tell you what. We know it's been a rough couple of years, but remember, not all pain is bad. Sometimes it's good. I'm Tony. I'm Kiara. And you've been listening to Good Pain. See you next time. See you later, priests. Bye.